welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 158 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Giltaka. Thanks for joining me again. Um, So we've got a lot to go over as usual in this episode. Uh, Among these things is a bit of a follow-up on the deer call on Sydney Island, which is just off the coast of Vancouver Islands. A couple of more details to share with you there. A Twitter account... I guess X now, but we're still going to call it Twitter probably for a long time. A Twitter account that eclipses the Canadian government as it applies to research on gun control. Very interesting. Uh, City TV in Montreal airs a full auto mag dump, 30 round mag dump as B-roll when they're talking about Bill C-21 and the firearms the Liberals are getting off the streets out of the hands of licensed gun owners. That's a pretty interesting story. And a very interesting video that I'm gonna play uh, right after in the in the monologue or the intro um, of a, a friend of ours, Mark Hall from Blood Origins Canada, uh, sort of a podcast, I guess you could say, just kind of a, the, um, um, a commentary on the state of affairs in our community. Anyway, we're gonna get to all that right after we talk about the sponsors of the CCFR Radio Podcast. A huge thank you goes out to our great friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR and the CCFR Radio Podcast. Check out all their great work at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. And thank you so much to our great friends over at Vortex Canada. They continue to support the CCFR Podcast and the CCFR Can't say enough about them. Check out all their great products at VortexCanada.net. That's VortexCanada.net. Vortex, the force of optics. Need a new boomstick? Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR. With a wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter, they have what you need. Plus, free shipping over $250, which includes ammo or flat rate shipping of $17 under $250. Some conditions apply. Subscribe to their weekly newsletter to get first access to the hottest deals. C-Toms has been a provider of trauma care training to military and police in Canada for nearly two decades. Now this emergency medical training is being made available to a wider audience through C-Toms online courses. Go to ctomsacademy.com and use promo code CCFR30 to get 30% off. That's ctomsacademy.com. All right, we are back. So the first thing I want to chat about was this video that was uh, uploaded by Mark Hall. I think the it's on a channel called Blood Origins Canada. And when I searched for Blood Origins, I found a lot larger site or a lot larger YouTube page. And I think it might be more an American side of it or something. I don't know. I could be getting that wrong. But either way, there's a very large YouTube channel with a lot of subscribers, which is great. And I was on this podcast with uh, with Mark Hall, who had reached out. And then when I l- was looking for this specific video, it was on a smaller channel, which I, I already showed you there. But the the title of this video was Our Canadian Gun or Our Canadian Hunters a Bunch of Fuds. And I thought it was interesting and I thought it was probably worth chatting about. So uh, this was found by uh, Brandon, our social media manager. And I asked him to take that video. I think the video is about six or seven minutes and just edit it down so we just get the general idea. And if you want to see the full length video, you can find it. I kind of showed you already where to uh, where to look for it. Um, but I think it's 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 something that we should probably chat about. So anyway, check this clip out and then we'll talk about it in a second. 
So recently I've seen some criticism that's being directed at the hunting community in Canada. We're being called a bunch of FUDs that got our heads buried in the sand over this gun control debate that we don't think that the future gun control amendments are going to come after hunting firearms. You can go on social media and you can find people that are misinformed, that deny what's going on, and they've got really negative, toxic attitudes. But that toxic minority, that toxic fringe minority, does not represent the majority of hunters in Canada. So what have hunters been contributing to this fight over gun control in this country. Hunting and angling federations in every province across the country have firearm subcommittees. Some of them have retained experts in the field of firearms and firearms crimes. And they go to Ottawa and they lobby the MPs and the senators. Small fish and game clubs across the country have been working hard to raise funds to give to national firearms rights organizations. And that's a big deal for some of these little hunting clubs. Jim Shockey even testified before the Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security on the topic of gun control. But the most powerful example I've seen that addresses this question, what have hunters been doing in the gun control debate, is a single hunter that went up against the prime minister of this country and buckled the federal government. Two years ago, hunter and goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens, Carey Price, made a social media post that said, I'm a hunter. I love my country, but I am not a threat to my community. And that kicked off this national media feeding frenzy that brought the federal government to its knees. And after that, they rescinded the two controversial amendments to Bill C-21 that were going to scoop hundreds and hundreds of models of hunting firearms and shotguns. That's what hunters have done in this debate. Okay, well, I think we all know what Mark is talking about. We've all seen that. And so, um, Mark, the, the video that he did is, is really good. And you can watch the whole video. Again, that the, what I showed you was edited, and I showed you already where to, to find that whole video. Um, now, Mark is telling half the story. He's telling it from the perspective of hunters being called down by people on the, uh, in other parts of the community, of the firearm community. And of course, that cuts both ways because while you may have um, sports shooters or black rifle owners or whatever saying, calling hunters FUDs, they're calling hunters FUDs because either they think that they're not doing anything to help right? Or they lack that self-awareness, hence the Elmer Fudd reference, right? Just like, oh yeah, as long as I got my double barrel shotgun, who cares what happens? But it's also a reaction from some measure of hunters um, asserting that the only reason that they have problems with the government now is because people are running around at shooting events with handguns, shooting moving targets and and guys are, you know, are shooting three gun or, or whatever with black rifles, pretending they're in the army. You know, if you want to own an AR-15, why don't you join the army instead of pretending, running around, pretending you're a soldier and you're LARPing and all the rest of that stuff. So, and, and people on this side, right, on the sports shooting side resent that. And a handful of hunters resent the idea that they're not doing anything. When in reality, and I think this is the important part, in reality, the people that are truly that angry that they're doing a lot of name calling, it's a small group of people. 
there might there may be a, a larger group of people, like a larger volume on both sides of these things that that are like, yeah, I kind of feel that a little bit, but I'm not at the point where I'm willing to start yelling at people that are my natural allies and that I need them if I if I really want to fight for to to hold on to these rights. Should is that a good way to do that? Is that a good way to to find common ground is to just either you are 100% on my side or I'm going to call you a cuck. I'll use some different language, right? The language you see in the bro in the broader political field, right? A cuck or a globalist. Yeah, uh, you're just a liberal or you know, you're a traitor, like these kinds of, that's not how you convince anyone to rethink their position. That's how you get them to dig their heels in. And that's how you create division, which makes you overall as a community incredibly weaker. In fact, it is more damaging to your community than the fight with the enemy. Those are the people that you're actually fighting with. You know, and I've said that before. I think I said that in the um, uncomfortable conversation video that I did. It is more damaging to have people undermining you from within than it is fighting your political adversary. And the reason for that is advocacy when it comes to firearms and other political issues too, right? But I'm speaking, I'm staying in my lane as it were. Advocacy takes a lot of energy because it's very polarizing and because of the way the tone, the tenor of political dialogue these days, it couldn't be worse in Canada as it is in many other countries. But that is really exhausting. It takes a lot of energy to continue to do that day in and day out. For coming up a decade, I can speak from, you know, for myself on that. And then you have to fight your people that should be allies. You know, maybe it's not people I have everything in common with, but they're still natural allies. I gotta fight them too now. So, it is, so I guess I'm, what I'm saying is, if you wanna dig around, you wanna root around for reasons to be angry at people within your own community, you'll find them if you look hard enough. You'll find some some way to, to 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 have nothing in common with that person, but at the end of the day, is it is it better for you? Is it more of an advantage to find common ground with people and to think twice before when you're interacting with them, before you start taking your frustrations out on them by calling them names, and implying that they're a problem? Would it be better for you to just maybe throw some throw a good argument at them? and say, hey, you know what? We really are natural allies. We really do have more in common <clears throat> than, we have, than we have differences. And I think we both need each other. So I would suggest to you that, you know, this is me talking maybe as a sports shooter or a tactical guy, you know, um, talking to a hunter. Like, you know, I would, I, would, I, would, I would suggest that you are just further down the timeline in getting your guns taken than I am. And it is your best interest to help and just put in a little bit of effort, whatever that might be, whatever you're willing to do to help the cause right now. Because once we're all gone, you'll be nose to nose with the government. And if you think that they'll be satisfied, they'll be satiated with taking all of these guns and they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, everything's fine now. And, and somehow the violence is gonna stop when there's no more like IPSC shooters, then I think that's short-sighted. So I just ask that you look into that a little bit more because, you know, and for me to, to come up with a reasoned argument rather than name calling and trying to humiliate people, especially online in front of other people, that's probably gonna help my community and help my political effort a lot more than doing the, the opposite of that. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because we've, we've seen a lot of that, right? And we see a lot of that lately. And I think people are just really frustrated. People are tired 
of everything bad happening to them, right? And for me, just to speak as an individual, I'm sick and tired of this group of, of people in the government thinking that they belong in my life, that they're supposed to tell me what my value should be. They are gonna tell, teach me what's right or wrong or what's moral or immoral. They're gonna tell me what I can own. No matter how many taxes I pay, no matter how many rules I follow, no matter what a great citizen I am, somehow I'm just on the wrong side of everything and they're gonna use force on me. Yeah, that frustrates me. But it, you, you really gotta put the effort into making sure that you're not taking that frustration out on people that are standing beside you at some level. And when you see someone standing beside you doing that to you, maybe try to reason them down a little bit. And that might actually help them become an asset in our community instead of being one of those people that is trying to tear us apart. Because I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an uphill fight trying to keep uh, the ability to legally own and, and use firearms and uh, in this country, especially now. And the other, th the other thing, I just wanna add one more thing if you just indulge me just for another minute, is this, this, this is a really long fight and we're gonna need everybody. And if I, have to, if I have to swallow my pride and be name called by somebody when I know they don't even really have a, uh, you know, a foot to stand on in the argument, but tolerate that, and still try to reason with them. There's a reason why I'm doing that. I'm doing that not because I need that quick fix of name calling somebody. Is that the idea that you, you know, that I'm trying to save my own guns? Absolutely. That's a, that's a very important interest to me. But not just my. I'm not. I didn't spend eight years in this to save just my own guns. I have guns the government can never ever reach. I we need to save the legal ability to own and use firearms for people that come after us, whether they're my kids or your kids or, or our children's children, because it's important in any free and equitable society that people have firearms for a variety of reasons. I'm not gonna get into that because that's too long a discussion, but that's important. And I care about that past my own interests. So I'll, I don't care if I listen to people call me names and whatever, try to assign my motives and whatever. I'm still going to figure out how am I gonna get from point A to point B. And that's worth more than what's important to me as an individual. I don't know if I'm even making sense, but for me, it's just a lot bigger, right? So I, I, I don't wanna name call people. I don't wanna thrash them. I don't wanna humiliate them. I want to, if I have to go more than halfway, I will, because my interests are greater than, than this interaction I'm having with people. So anyway, all that to say, just kind of, just think about how we treat each other Try to get people on board. The way to do that isn't to shout them down or humiliate them. And even if they're trying to do that to you, just see if you can diffuse them. You know, See if you can get them to see why it's in their best interest, best interest to act like you're, the way that you're acting because we're gonna need everybody. Okay, so anyway, Mark, thanks for making that video. Thanks for having me. I was on uh, Mark's podcast a little while back. I don't know where that is because <laughs> I got a lot of things going on, but uh, really appreciate that outreach. Um, that, uh, sorry, him letting us continue that outreach to the hunting community because that is the biggest aspect. The most people in the firearms community, we need those guys and we need them on side and we need them to put a little bit of effort in. We don't need them to do everything. We just need them to put a little bit of effort in, which they have actually, their community has done, they've come a long way since I started eight years ago. When I started eight years ago, the hunting community was a lot different than they are today. They're really, they're really gaining steam and I'm very grateful for their for their help. And sport shooters will always be there because again, we're the ones that are under direct fire 
So I think as a team, if we can just keep that, keep our community together, we can do a lot of good. And you know what? The liberals won't be in power forever. This is all going to end at some point. So anyway, I just thought that was worth mentioning. Hopefully it didn't take too long. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get Wilson on the Skype. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR. Wilson! There it is. Yep. What's a good word? How's it going? Uh, Well, we're not as cold as the rest of Canada here in Ottawa, but we are getting snow dumped. Yeah, you know. Repeatedly. It was like um, minus 22 in southwestern BC the other day. Minus 22. In the morning, but it was okay? like minus 15 during the day. Are you okay, bro? I, You're not used to it. Kind of. Um, but uh, I'm still waiting <laughs> for that global warming, man. I've been a cheerleader for global warming for a long time, and I'm just constantly disappointed. Yeah, it's winter in Canada. Here we are. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's get at it. So cool okay. story to start it off with. There's a Twitter account um, and, well, sorry, X. And it's called StatCloud, and they this person mm. does a, a lot of firearm-related statistical aggregation, I guess, right? Finding stats and putting them together yeah. and then creating, creating posts. I keep wanting to say tweets, right? But posts, and they're very useful, and they're very insightful, and they're very neutral. And so it's one of my favorite accounts. I followed uh, that person um, immediately. And they, they had put together, they took it to the next level and put together a little video. Tell us about that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so they do cover all kinds of different topics, but I did notice that they seem to have a little bit of an interest in gun stuff. And they put together a nine-minute video. It's kind of like produced and edited. It's quite nice. And basically, it asks five main questions. Are legal gun owners to blame for the violence? Are more guns uh, related to more homicides and suicides? So do more guns equal more death? Are women disproportionately affected by gun violence? Where are the crime guns coming from? And will banning guns actually make us safer spoiler alert he he has all the data there that proves that none of that is is true right it's exactly how we thought it would be but yeah it's a great little video it was kind of his first crack at it make sure you're following them but he's it's just a ton of really great information and it makes me think like he took all this data that's the government's own information compiled it into a nine minute video answered those really important five questions that should be the basis for any policy making. And it's just some some random dude on on X who did this. Why couldn't the government compile this together and be able to use it to form their policy proposals, right? Well, and the, the amazing thing is just so much more honest than what we've seen from the government. And, you know, it's yeah. it's I I don't expect the government to take our side just because we want what we want. I expect the government to be honest. Like, I just want them Mm -hmm. to be honest, right? And so it was, you know, what struck me with that was, is the government, you know, has been involved in all of these, um, um, all these hearings in the House Committee for Bill C-21 and C-71 before that. They've been involved in the um, committee hearings in the Senate, and they never showed up with any of this data. Like they, no. they never told both sides of the story at all. They never showed up with any of this data. In fact, the part that actually gets me going is uh, Talal, whatever um, his name is uh, from the firearms program, shows up knowing that it'll take 50 years for all of us handgun owners to die off to the point where there's no more handguns in private hands anymore in Canada. They know that, 
but they didn't mm-hmm. know how many licensed gun owners involved in violent crime. They didn't know any of that stuff that they never offered any of that information. And it's just, you know, and, and the government wonders why people aren't on side with them, why they don't believe them, why they don't trust them is when they show up with their the side of the story that that is consistent with their narrative and, you know, the rest, you know, the rest of it be damned. It's pretty bad. Well, it's they did promise us that they'd use, you know, evidence-based policymaking, but we see that it's sort of evidence, uh, uh, policy-based evidence-making, right? It's sort of the, the different. They, it's not that they didn't know this information existed or didn't know these numbers or stats. They full well know it's their information. They just don't put it out there to the public because it doesn't support the agenda of the current sitting government. And that's a problem because the, the goal here should be public safety, not political policy, right? Well, and it becomes very clear that public safety, you know, that that is not their interest when they look even at the the um, the data that was compiled by StatCloud basically says there's a tiny fraction of this problem that has is associated with licensed gun owners and what that fraction is will, you know, needs further in, um, investigation. And then mm-hmm. the rest of like criminal use of firearms, right, by people that aren't PAL holders is like, yeah. you know, by far and away, almost all of firearm related violence. So then you have the government responding, saying we're going to put two point five billion dollars into a buyback from licensed gun owners and we'll put two hundred and fifty million dollars in the uh, safer communities fund or whatever they called it to address the criminal use of violence, you know, by unlicensed individuals and and violence. Right. So they they take reality and they invert it. And, you know, yeah. And you wonder why people are well, angry. And spending. Yeah. And then spending 10 times as much chasing around gun owners who represent such a tiny fraction of the problem, like it is completely inverted. So, you know, I think it's important that there are more voices out there, but like kudos to this. I was really impressed with his, I don't know who he is, but I was really impressed with the work that he does on stats on a variety of topics, but really impressed with this video in particular and the way he assembled everything in one spot. It was great. Yeah. So stat cloud, give Mm -hmm. him a follow. I don't have my Twitter up and running right now (laughs) because we're, we're recording this, but, uh, I think if you, if you search stat cloud on Twitter on X, you'll find him. You should be able to find him. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's move on. Uh, just a quick update on the Sydney Island deer call. You know, we got some correspondence Mm -hmm. on that and it was a little bit all over the map. Um, but, uh, but I think one thing was people were asking for the sources of, uh, of information. You know, how do you know that they used AR-15 platform rifles and suppressors and, and the magazine capacity and all that stuff. And it came from the mainstream media. So that's where we got it from. Yep. Here's a couple of screenshots of the mainstream media and their information. And I hope, I hope I haven't fallen prey to mainstream media misinformation or disinformation. Uh, you know, I'm trying to trust uh, reliable sources. So, you know. Hard to say. Yeah, best we can do. Um, (laughs) Anyways, just some other interesting information. I think we did say last time that this deer um, issue on Sydney Island has been going on for a long time and also um, a long time on the neighboring James Island. So people have been sending me more information on this because it is kind of interesting. And uh, Sydney Island itself is 1,700 acres. So it's well within the reach of hunters to go on there and completely scour the island. I mean, there's private property there too. There's nowhere for the deer to go really, unless the deer want to swim. So yeah, well that's, and they, the mainstream media stories had said that hunters had been able to manage this for, 
for decades now and that vegetation was starting to grow back at 30%. And, you know, so there's some sort of mixed, mixed feelings about the necessity of it. But our point was more sort of mocking the government's hypocrisy saying, you know, you don't need an AR-15 to hunt a deer until you do, right? Yeah, and that is like, the operative part, right? And so it's, it's mm -hmm. I think it's a combination of the fact that they categorically proved that an AR-15 is appropriate for hunting by doing it themselves. Of all yeah. the firearms available on the planet Earth, they could have gotten anything because they brought in prohibs. They could have used anything, and what did they choose? The AR-15 platform. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, full auto or, or full capacity mags, full capacity, uh, silencers, yeah. like, yeah. But anyway, Come just, on. you know, the, the hypocrisy of that is the operative part of us covering the story there, right? So mm -hmm. anyway, and then I think the other, one of the other um, criticisms we got, well, it's like, well, this is hunting, hunting, licensing and, and, uh, and regulation and conservation. That's, that's provincial. It's not the federal government. This was under Parks Canada, which is federal, a yes. federal crown corporation, yes. basically. This was absolutely a federal initiative. Yeah. And I mean, they could have worked in unison with the province to allow provincial hunters to go and do it. Yes. But it was the feds who brought in. Um, brought in the uh, the contractors to do it. Well, they could have worked with conservation on a provincial level, yeah, and then conservation could have showed up with their AR-10s and full-capacity yeah. magazines and done it themselves too, I guess, <laughs> right? I don't know. So hopefully yeah. people aren't missing the point of what we're trying to say. Um, so anyway, all right, moving on. Uh, we have a couple of non-announcements to share with you. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because we were talking There's about something this. we want to tell you, but we can't tell you. Yeah, exactly. Here's two things we can't tell you anything about. Um, the first thing is really just to tell you to save the date. So the CCFR AGM is coming up on May the 25th, a little bit earlier this time, and it's going to be a different format. It's going to be a one day, one evening uh, event, and it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be in Calgary. We know that much. So book it off. Mark your calendars, hire the sitter, do whatever you got to do. You're going to want to be there because we have a very, very special guest coming. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. Yep. And all kinds of fun planned as well. And then the mm -hmm. other non-announcement that we wanted to share with you is we have uh, a contest coming up. So it's, we should be doing contests more often. And people even ask me like, when are you going to do another contest? How come you're not doing them? And it's like, I, yeah, I got to put that on the list somewhere. But yeah, we've got to fundraise. This we can't is, function. Well, yeah, or you'll cease to exist. Um, but this is a really exciting one. I think it might be the best one ever. In fact, it's called the CCFR's Best Day Ever Contest. Oh, the imagination about what would be the best day ever for a gunny. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It is. So uh, you will have details on the contest in the next episode. So the next time you see a CCFR radio podcast, we will tell you all about this stuff. So it's going to be very exciting. Super fun. All right, moving on. Okay, so we get, you know, it's funny, we get messages from police officers all the time. And the reason I think for that is because police officers see the day-to-day -day reality on the street and it's consistent with the way that, that we view the world. Now, not all police officers are on the side of licensed gun owners or think that, you know, bills like C-21 are useless or whatever. You know, there's there's varying opinions. But you would be very surprised how many police officers, people attached to reality, uh, fall on the side of the evil gun lobby in that more has to be done to 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 prevent 
and address violence and less can be done chasing around licensed gun owners to get a criminal background check every day. So anyway, um, why don't you read this, uh, this most recent letter we got from an active duty police officer? Yeah, okay. So he says, hi, Tracy. I'm a police officer in Ontario, and I just want to say thank you for the work you and the CCFR are doing. In my 16-year career, I've responded to a fellow officer that was shot and killed. I've seized multiple firearms off offenders. I have watched a carjacking happen in front of me. I've investigated multiple homicides, including domestic homicides, <coughs> excuse me, involving firearms. Not one of these incidents involved a legally acquired firearm used by a licensed owner, ever. I am, for the lack of better words, enraged and frankly disgusted at our current federal government's approach to firearms and public safety, including Bill C-21. This law will do nothing to improve public safety, all while violent crime is measured by the government's own statistics continues to get worse year over year. <coughs> Excuse me. So again, thank you for what you do and keep fighting the good fight. And please remember, this isn't just about some pieces of metal pressed into an object that shoots projectiles. This fight is about innocent Canadians who continue to die at the hands of criminals while our leaders pat themselves on the back for a job well done. I will continue to do my best to pick up the pieces of their misguided policies. However, please know it gives me the strength to continue doing my job knowing how hard you are fighting at yours. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're right. Sorry. Um, we do hear from an awful lot of law enforcement um, at all levels, actually. And I know, you know, people have different feelings about law enforcement and their involvement because, of course, you know, if you do get yourself in trouble, you're going to get a visit from the cops. So sometimes you're, you're not on the positive end of that. Um, but for the most part, I know we are supported by a lot of law enforcement at all levels, and they come talk to us at shows. A lot of them are also gun owners. They're members that are ranges. Like, you know, it's they a lot of them are part of the community. And, you know, some of them are afraid to speak out due to repercussions. And other ones like this one, like he emailed me from his police department email. Right. So, yeah, he, they're they are struggling to. Struggling to literally do what he says, pick up the pieces of this misguided policy. They got to clean it up, right? Yeah. So as I mentioned, yeah. we do get a lot of messages uh, from police officers, both retired and active duty. I just opened my email this morning and I got another email from a retired police officer and uh, RCMP, in fact. And, mm. you know, if you if you listen to Myron Demke, right, the chief of police of, of the of um, of Toronto, and you listen to Evan Bray, and you listen to Dale McPhee up in uh, up in Edmonton. And if you if you remember that that uh, that video I put together with uh, with Talib Nur Muhammad saying, you know, police want this legislation. I mean, should we ignore the police? And then it's like all the police saying the opposite of what he was basically saying. Yeah. Right? But it's I keep I keep wanting to send all of these these chiefs, um, you know, a message or an email, and just just thanking them. Not for agreeing with, and this is, and this is the point I wanted to make with all this uh, blabbering I'm doing, is I don't, I don't expect police to agree with us. It's not about agreeing with us. I don't care. I mean, I can make my own arguments. I just have a lot of respect for police, put in their position and all the political pressure that they get for just being honest. And, and that honesty, what that is, um, if you were to boil it down, it's a genuine concern for public safety. 
and a genuine understanding of what it is that their role is. Their role is not to turn Canada into an open-air prison where nobody gets anything that the government deems they, that's unnecessary for them or that, that makes their life easier or get, gives them what they want. They're there to protect public safety, to keep the peace. And so um, I just appreciate when, when chiefs of police, especially, especially when they're connected to a, a political group like the Canadian uh, Association for Chiefs of Police, is when they just say, you know what, that's not true. This is what we're facing. Um, and because I, I think one of the other questions, I don't want to go round round circles, but one of the other questions that I always um, would like police to ask themselves is, what is it exactly you're doing that job for? Like, what is it exactly you're protecting? Are you just yeah. maintaining order for the government or are you protecting something bigger? And I'd like to think that the altruistic uh, genuine police officers out there are like, yeah, I'm protecting something bigger. I'm protecting our society, Western society, which is an amazing thing, the best places to live in the world. And that's the part that's worth protecting. You know, the fact that you have freedoms and you punish criminals when when criminals threaten that freedom and threaten the safety of, of, of good, productive citizens, right? So anyway, I know, I know that's a little, that was a little deep, but I just... We really need police officers to be honest, not agree with us, just to be honest. You know, if it was licensed gun owners that were running around doing all this stuff, absolutely. Throw the book at them for sure. But it's yeah, just not. Of course. <laughs> well, and I mean, like with anything, there are always good apples and bad apples. You know, not not everyone is created equal, obviously, but there are a lot, a lot of hardworking cops that are sick of the political uh, a pressure, sick of the politics of public safety policy. They're just sick of all this stuff. They're sick of re-arresting the same bad guys over and over and over again. A lot of them are gun owners, like I said. So anyways, yeah, it's just, it's nice to hear. It matters to me. And yeah, that's how we know that we're on the right track. Because I always say the reason we can't sit down at the table with the anti-gunners is we don't have, we don't have the same goals. You know, our goals is to, yes, keep our guns, um, but also to have a, uh, to increase public safety. Their goal is to decrease gun ownership. So it's just, it's not the same goal. Yeah. So. Well, we have very different values yeah. too. Yes. Anyway. All right. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. uh, next story. This is, this is an interesting one. Uh, City News Montreal. Um, oh, yeah. Had, had done a story and it came with, it was, it was in video. Um, and they had put some B-roll uh, on screen while they were while they were talking about C-21 and and you know prohibited uh, the now prohibited assault style weapons. Now remember what 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 firearms were they calling assault style weapons, right? Which were really semi-automatic center fire rifles. That's that's right. literally it. But this is the B-roll that they put across it. Check this out. It's a phase out of the private possession of handguns over the next three or four generations. The legislation also includes a ban on assault-style firearms that fall under a new technical definition. It would apply to such guns... So you got a fully automatic 30-round mag dump. And... That, 
that is like the most egregious disinformation slash propaganda that you can imagine. They're saying these are the firearms that Bill C-21 and the liberals are getting off the streets in Canada. Yeah. Like it's one of two things. Either it's a, you know, really lazy editor who just, you know, pulled up some B-roll of assault weapons or something. Or it's completely intentional. And the the reason they do that is, you know, it's a nice interview with the activist from Polly Sousouvier. And yes, they want to scare Canadians and lead you to believe that Canadians are running around with this stuff out in the streets. And that's the Liberal government's here to save you from that. So it's one of those two things, and I don't, or both. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, it's it's wild. And no attempt to fix it either. I emailed them. Oh, did you? I didn't even know that. Oh, yes. I, yes, I did. Never heard back. You know, and and again, I, again, I guess this is another example, right? The media is like, oh, you know, I can't believe people are calling us fake news and saying that we're, you know, spreading disinformation. No, it's everybody else is spreading disinformation. It's like, no, bud, it's actually you that's spreading disinformation. Mm-hmm. And it's right there and you won't do anything about it and you won't even acknowledge it, you know? So I, <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to say it. Either something is true or it isn't. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It bothered me to see that because it's, like I said, I, I kind of feel like it's intentional. And, of course, you know, the the people whose agenda it suits would just cheer that on. Like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's good to put that little clip in there, right? Yeah. Scares Canadians, makes them terrified. It makes them say, yes, nobody needs those things, right? Yep. Anyway. Yep. Uh, All right, let's move on to Field Officer of the Month and Field Officer of the Month for, I think it's December, December 2023. That's way, that's last year. Um, That's like a year ago. Yeah. That was last year stuff. That's, you know what? That is so last year. It was Jason Philp. Yeah. Jason's great. And we got a nice email from uh, Chris Russell, who runs our, our Field Officer program. And he says, uh, yeah, it's Jason Philp. So Jason has been a strong, valuable member of our team for many years, but has really stepped it up since becoming becoming an RFOC, and that's a regional field officer coordinator. Uh, Jason has coordinated some of the largest shows in the Calgary area, as well as hosting meets and greets with CCFR members to discuss what our volunteer team does and how they can help. Huge shout out and all our thanks for all Jason does for the CCFR. And I agree. Jason Philp is your go-to guy, especially if you need something in Calgary. He's great. I I run to him all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, yeah, for, for all of your work. I really appreciate it. And, of course, you all may know that if you are Field Officer of the Month, you get a year's free subscription to Canadian Access to Firearms, otherwise known as CATF, uh, graciously provided by our great friend Donovan Dewis over at CATF. And you also get a $100 um, discount code, promo code. <laughs> For I can't even say that without uh, without um, me neither <laughs> chuckling a little bit. Uh, uh, discount code for the uh, CCFR online store, and that includes all the brand new merch that you're going to find there. Including you didn't say a word about the stonewashed gray firearm rights or human rights uh, new tee that we have. It's really nice. Now we had only had that one color in that stonewash, only just that gray. But I am here to tell you that we are going to have it in, I think, four or five more stonewash colors. So watch for a nice green. And there's a whole bunch of other colors, blue. 
I love that kind of stonewash look. It's very, very nice. They're really, really nice t-shirts. I'm not saying that to plug the merch. I mean, obviously we're trying to plug the merch because it's fundraising, right? But I yeah. if I don't know if I if I mentioned this before, but when we first when we did the whole changeover with the store and changing all the actual merchandise and whatnot, I had some blanks. Um, you sent me one of the blanks and it was a green one that was this stonewashed and you sent it to me. I'm like, I want other blanks. So I bought <laughs> a couple of other blanks just to wear in the summertime from the CCFR just as T-shirts. They're stretchy and then they're they have a weather they're, and they're very soft. They're really, really nice T-shirts and they're very long. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to stand up because I'll be out of frame, but like, you know, past your belt line, like there's probably that much more T-shirts. So you don't have to worry about it riding up and your belly button sticking out and your midriff showing midriff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, nobody wants to see any midriff from me. Um, all right. Well, anyway. Oh. Uh, okay. And then I think there's one more thing we wanted to cover just, uh, at the very end. And I don't know much about the story cause you read it and I haven't yet, but this is a story from Brian Passifume from the national post. Yeah, that's right. So the uh, liberals in their never-ending four-year attempt to try and come and take your guns are still struggling to get this buyback confiscation program off the ground, right? So they've, you know, they've tried to use Canada Post. They've talked about using the military, talked about using law enforcement. Nobody wants to touch it. So now they've opened up an invitation to qualify to firearm retailers. And the idea here is they're like, hey, gun shops, Will you help us confiscate firearms from individual gun owners, um, destroy them, and and submit them into the government? So there's a, a tender up on Canada.ca on the government's website, and I signed up for notifications. So whenever anything happens with it, I get an email notifying me that something's going on. So it's been extended multiple times. It's extended now, I think, until the 29th of January at the time of this taping. Um, and... So, you know, there's there's like a lot of questions kind of going back and forth about this. Right. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, the 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 idea with Brian's story is here we are. These guns have been banned since May of 2020. It's now 2024. We've got an extension into after the next uh, scheduled election in October of 2025. And they are literally still out there fishing, trying to find somebody to come together and um and get this going. And so far, it doesn't look like they're having much luck. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I think part of the um, the big bone of contention with a lot of people is if gun stores start doing that, whether or not people will um, will look on that uh, very unfavorably and not Oh, they will. Like, sorry? Oh, they will. Yeah. They will look at that unfavorably. Yes. It. Yeah, it mm -hmm. is. It's... It's tough. It's not for me to say because that's an individual choice for every gun shop. And I don't need to be in the middle of that, but I could see a lot of a lot of blowback to their business happening because at the end of the day, why would you do it as a gun shop? You do it because it's business. It's revenue. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know, in my mind, if I owned a gun shop, I'd be like, well, I'm just going to end up trading some business for all my regular business. And I mean, it's and I guess the other thing, too, is it's is a lot of these gun shops are having a really hard time. They can't sell any handguns anymore, and they got a whole schwack of semi-autos they can't sell anymore, and um, and some bolt actions and 22s they can't sell anymore because of the May 1st, uh, 2020 gun ban. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough place to be, but yeah, I could I could see why they're in that. 
Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say they're in that position due to the liberal government, though. So I'm not entirely sure that the solution would be to help them. But yeah. Well, I think that's really important, right? They're not they're not there uh, by their own choice as far as considering it. They're there because mm -hmm. of the liberals. But uh, whether or not they participate, again, I think that's a that's an individual choice. And I can't estimate, you know, like because I'm thinking about that. It's like, well, is, would that really hurt their businesses? Um, or would they make a bunch of money off that for something that somebody else would have done anyway? I don't know. I don't. I don't know where to where to be on that. But um, but certainly, I can see the animosity where that would come from. I guess I have my own opinion without saying it. Yeah. Well, and the government has continued to extend this tender, and to me, that's sort of an indication. You know, like if if you had somebody that was like, yeah, okay, I can do it. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's, you know, I've got all the the ability and the wherewithal to do it. Then you wouldn't need to keep extending this uh, tender for this program. So, you know, uh, interested parties keep having it extended. And I'd almost I'd almost wonder if it's a little bit of manipulation going on. But I don't know. Anyways, we'll we'll follow along. We'll see what happens with it. But yeah, I, I don't think it would be the greatest business decision to do that, but everybody's uh, got to do what's best for them. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are businesses out there that are running interference. And you know what? Mm -hmm. That's good. I think that's a good thing. Me too. Because the whole thing is morally wrong. It is. All right. Yeah. I think that's, uh, we, we got our list done. Okay. Yeah. That was all over the place. All kinds of wild stuff going on. It was. And I, I even um, shifted a few of the things that were less time sensitive, but just as interesting for the next episode because we had so much to cover. But anyway, thanks for the update. And I guess we will see you next time. All right. We'll see you then. All right. That's going to do it for episode 158 of the CCFR radio podcast. Thanks everyone for watching. If I were to ask you one favor, share the podcast, let other people know they can catch our TV show on wild TV and you know, just so we can get more gun owners involved. It's really important to get people involved so that we are a bigger political block. We, we need that strength, both when there's a, um, an unfriendly government and when there's a friendly government in power, which will happen fairly soon. We're still going to need that strength if we want people to take our message seriously. So really important to get other gun owners involved. Uh, the other thing, I, if I were to ask you for a favor, if you're not on our emailing list, please get on it. If you go to firearmrights.ca or ccfr.ca, both of those will get you there. I think I didn't I didn't check before I started talking, but I think from memory, if you scroll right down to the bottom of the main page, the CCFR's uh, webpage, you'll find the email form there. So um, if you're on our email list and you're not getting our emails, check your spam folder and drag us into the inbox or create a new rule in your email uh, application so that you're, you're getting the emails. We're having some trouble with Facebook right now. They are giving us multiple community guideline strikes for thing, and then they send the the example, and it wasn't a strike. It wasn't against their community guidelines. So I don't. Maybe they just want to kick us off Facebook. I don't know what's going on, but we might even have to go to post approval, which is when you write a post in the in the CCFR closed Facebook group, that has to be approved by an admin, which is a massive uh, labor issue, right? And it's no fun because you want to post things and interact right away. So anyway, be really careful on the Facebook group. We're not trying to censor you. We're trying to keep our Facebook group alive. So if you're if you're putting stuff, trying to sell guns or put you know all kinds of things that are against their 
community guidelines, it's gonna get taken down right away. It's not, it's not, not that we wanna do it, but we can't risk that group. It's a really important group and it's really big. It's 70,000 people in that group and it's really, really active. So anyway, that's what we're up against there, but it's really important that we can communicate with you and send you all the news and alerts and whatever, right? And calls to action if we need to via your email. So if you can get on that, that'd be really great. Okay, last thing is there's, there's very commonly an, um, um, a comment in the, uh, in the comments, certainly on Facebook, you know, Rod, you're looking really skinny, right? Remember, I've, I've mentioned this before, and this is one of our new t-shirts. This is a medium. I used to wear a large and a large was tight, and now medium's actually loose on me. And again, I just want, you don't need to comment like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm in the best shape of my life right now. And I know that I promised to, to, to tell everybody what I was doing, you know, how I was losing all that weight and, and whatever, getting so healthy. I think I promised, well, I didn't promise it. I said, I might be able to. It wasn't a technical promise, but I, I might be able to do a, one of those CCFR sidebar videos over Christmas. I never got that done because I had other things uh, to do. Uh, but you know what? You never know. In the near future, I might be able to do one of those. But I'll, I'll, I'll move all that kind of talk for that uh, over to there so it's not in the podcast. But anyway, I'm doing great so far. So far, so good. All right, so don't worry about that. Anyway, thanks everyone for watching. Take care, and we'll see you next time. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.